In our series, we have come to, am I my brother's keeper? Meaning the world around us. Or said another way, this is about our relationship to culture, our culture. You can be concerned about the culture in other nations, but our responsibility primarily before God is to pray for our friends, family, loved ones, enemies, whatever. You know, pray for them that they can come to know Jesus and do the will of God fully, completely. I, I, you recognize that phrase, am I my brother's keeper, from Cain, who had not long before he made this statement, had killed his brother. And when called on the carpet, as it were, for that, where's your brother? I don't know. I'm supposed to be watching out for my brother? You know, um, it, was, it was a horrid moment in human history. And that's where that, am I my brother's keeper? And I'm not projecting that horrid moment on you or me because we're trying to be right with God and straight in our relationship with him and each other. But uh, the pressure from God Almighty is there. Keep your eye on your brother for his good. The night before Jesus died, he said, If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. This is Jesus after instituting uh, Holy Communion and announcing the new covenant after washing the disciples' feet, after uh, Judas left to go get the the mob that was going to arrest Jesus and Judas of course would betray him just before that that happened if you belong to the world it would love you as its own and then he said in a prayer that same night that we have recorded it's really cool that John was able to record this prayer I have given them, speaking Jesus to his Father, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Now, there, you notice a recurring theme here about the misfit business of the followers of Jesus and the culture. And this is, this is just the way it is. And if we, want to, if we want to understand what God is saying, we're going to have to accept the fact that we do not fit in that well. There is a scripture in the epistles that says, Woe be unto you when all men shall speak well of you. So, this is also picked up in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. This is the faith chapter. 
Now, faith is the evidence of things hoped for, or the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen is the way the King James starts that chapter off. And at verse 13, in the middle of the story of Abraham, who is, is the leader after Jesus, the leader of faith, he's called the father of the faith and the father of the faithful. So the writer is talking about the faith of Abraham, and in the middle of that, Abraham and those that he had mentioned earlier in the chapter, he says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking about the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And this last verse I'm going to read here is one of the great things that has always challenged me. I read this, I hear this, and it, it just kind of grips me. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, Abraham is called, God Almighty is called the God of Abraham. So he he put his money where his mouth is, as it were, right then, and took on the name of Abraham because Abraham believed God. His life was not flawless like the Lord Jesus Christ, but God was not ashamed to be called the God of Abraham because Abraham believed him. That's how important it is for us to believe what God says and just follow out and try to do it. So this is what I want to say up front. We are travelers through not citizens of this world. King James uses the word pilgrim. Uh, old, there's an old spiritual or two that uh, use the word pilgrim. I am a pilgrim and a stranger. And that's biblical. And we need to exercise care to avoid the need for approval. Every one of us wants to be approved. If you dislike me, do the best you can to shield that from me. I'll return the favor. Because we hate it when we find somebody disapproves of us. You're just not up to standard. You're not that good a person. We hate that. We long for this to just kind of fit in and be a part of the deal and... and Kind of flow with that. But the scripture says, don't let the world around you press you into its mold. That's um, Romans 12, verse 2 in the Phillips translation. The call to Jesus includes the call to good works to the world. This world that hates us, we are called to serve, to love, and to lay down our life to take the message of Jesus laying down his life to them. And just face it, the world system will never be in sync with the Holy Spirit. 
that's not good news, and I love to bring good news, but that's true news. That's the truth. The Holy Spirit will always be, as it were, out of step with the world. He does not march to the world's music. He marches to the heartbeat of God because he is God. Therefore, he'll never, it'll never be good. You'll never, ever be in the Holy Spirit and fitting into the world. And I know that's bad news because we love, we want to fit into the world. We, we just want to fit. I, I don't want to be an oddball in my community. I don't want to be an oddball in my neighborhood. That's a nice neighborhood we live in. Those are good people. They're fun people. They're good neighbors. But if they don't walk with Jesus Christ, I cannot be one with them. I can be a good neighbor. I can love them, pray for them, and uh, try to meet their needs with the purpose of bringing them to Jesus Christ. But... I can never fit in because our hearts are different. So, number one, in this relating to culture, we need to be grounded in Christ, grounded in the Word, and grounded in Christian fellowship. The primitive church, brand new baby church, Acts 2 says of them, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, there's actually four things there. I only listed three, but they devoted themselves to the teaching, and that's the truth about Jesus Christ. And the main message at that time was our, our leaders handed this Jesus, Messiah person over to the Romans who crucified him, and God raised him from the dead. He was dead parts of three days, three days, and God raised him from the dead. And that was the main message. This is the Messiah, and he proved it by rising from the dead. Uh, we need to keep our message as simple as we can and as close to that as we possibly can. So the, the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, I think of our... Um, grow, connect, go. And the grow would be mainly centered in the truth, the teaching. The connecting would be fellowship and uh, the breaking of bread. And the breaking of bread there refers to uh, communion. They celebrated communion at least every day. And, and then they... They committed themselves to prayer. And this is the same bunch that uh, a couple chapters later, the story is told that they ran head on into the first official pressure to stop this preaching business about Jesus' resurrection. And uh, two of them, two of the leaders, Peter and John, got reprimanded. And so what they did was go back to this crowd, this bunch, who, who were devoting themselves to teaching, fellowship, uh, breaking of bread, prayer, and they reported what had gone on, and that's the time that the, when they prayed, they prayed, and they didn't say, oh God, protect us and don't let in a hair of our head fall to the ground. They prayed, oh God, please make us so bold. And... Stretch forth your hand 
to do signs and wonders and miracles. That's what had gotten them in trouble in the first place because they healed the lame man. And God's spirit fell on that place. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. A lot of tongues being talked that day. Otherwise, how did they know they were filled with the Spirit? And the place was shaken. Now, I think this praying in tongues is more important than the place being shaken, but there's something about me that really would like to be in a place where when we pray, we have a little earthquake. I was in an earthquake once in my life. I was in about the seventh grade. Enid, Oklahoma, we had those slate, black, slate, blackboards mounted around the room. And we're sitting there in class just tending our own business. I don't know what we were doing. We might not have been tending to our own business. This is what I remember. Those blackboards started going, (laughs) rattling on the wall. And this lasted a few seconds and was gone. And uh, I'm not sure that I felt any tremor. I just heard these... I heard the tremor of the slate. It it would be fun, but it's not necessary because that's not what we need. We need the faith to pray that and then to walk it out. Just walk it out. What God does with us. So back in Acts, the second chapter, as these people devoted themselves to teaching, the fellowship, communion, Prayer, everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. That is so cool. Because of the unity and all of that stuff, there was these signs being released by the apostles. Now, the Holy Spirit moved that forward so that the lay people, as we would consider it if the apostles were the clergy, everyone else... Uh, the signs and wonders begin to happen out here. And so we get Stephen, who was so powerful in the Holy Spirit that he got, he got stoned to death. Um, it's like you could have let, let up just a little bit, Stephen, and we could have used you down the road. But the Lord knew what was going on because Stephen, in a matter of just a few minutes, suffered and was home. He was out of here. And... That was part of the thing that the Holy Spirit used to get into the heart of a guy by the name of Saul, whom we came to know as the Apostle Paul. That event reached into and grabbed the heart of of Saul. And it wasn't too long until he was as radical as Stephen and was used so mightily of God. Uh, we, We face death so very poorly. Hate it, hate it, hate it. Um, I think unless it would be my own, you know, if it's anybody else's that we love, we hate it. If you can get out of here, especially die in your sleep, <laughs> I don't, I want to tell you what to do, but you know, <laughs> but so death is not, it, the, it's precious to the Lord is the death of the righteous is what the scripture says. So we've got to be grounded in the Word of God, our faith in Jesus Christ, Christian fellowship, prayer, and all of those things. That's the first thing we need. The second thing we need is to discern what is behind pop culture. We have in our nation uh, these 
religious groups that have a uniform that they wear. And in, in this beautiful state, uh, we have several communities of Amish, and they don't drive cars. The cost of oil and the price of a gallon of gas is irrelevant to their life. And you can drive through those areas, and on the shoulder of the road will be these little piles of exhaust <laughs> that their mode of transportation leaves. Having, having worked with livestock, especially horses, uh, the first part of my life, that, that always fascinates me just because it's just horses. And so I, I have this kind of, uh, I find myself watching for that, okay? And um, I won't tell you any stories. Okay. Uh, but, but these dear ones have this uniform and they have this lifestyle. And it is to separate them from the world. And it does to a great extent. And you can do stuff like that to separate yourself from the world. Now, I don't think that's a good plan because we've got to be in the world to get our works done and turn these people in the world to Jesus Christ. So it's kind of hard to do that if you never, ever associate with a lost person. Who are you going to win to Jesus? So that's kind of a, it's, it's a, it's a catch-22. They, they are separate from the world. Now, that doesn't mean that their hearts are pure because we take our heart with us wherever we go. But, um, you know, they, they are separate from the world. Now, this, this culture that we live in has some really strange ideas. And uh, we have... We have come to the point in our culture where what is good is bad, what, is, what bad is good, what, is, what up is down, what is down is up. It's, it's really, really crazy that you can have free speech about certain things, but if you try to stop someone from uh, or talk them out of or influence them not to have an abortion... You can go straight to jail. You do not pass go. You do not collect $200. That's the law. I've got friends who spent a lot of time in jail because they would, they would hang out in front of an abortion clinic and try to engage the gals going in in talking them out of getting an abortion. Uh, that's not covered well in the media because the media is for the people that are incarcerating our friends and I'm not, I'm not sure that that's what we ought to be doing is standing out there there may be more powerful ways to deal with this but that's a fact in our country so that fits very nicely under the fact that Satan is the god of this world and when I started looking up scriptures about this it was like oh my goodness there's way too many for me to to have in a sermon outline, so just let me give you these, these scriptures. Uh, Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. John twelve thirty one, Ephesians 2, 2. He's called the prince of this world by Jesus in this very chapter where we were reading earlier. Um, John fourteen thirty, Numbers of other places in Jesus' words and others' words. 
define this. Now, prince of the power of the air would imply that Satan has control of the weather. And when we have some horrible uh, cataclysmic weather occurrence like Katrina hitting New Orleans and the, and the coast there alongside New Orleans, in, inevitably someone would say, do you think that was the judgment of God? And you know me, and so you know my first response would be, well, I don't think it was the blessing of God. But I don't think God did that. I don't think that Jesus, who stood in a boat in the middle of a squall on the Sea of Galilee and rebuked the weather, would have done that if God Almighty had been causing that. So if you're going to pray against the weather, be very careful if God causes it. You don't have a clue of getting it done because you're not going to talk God out of what he wants to do. But I don't think it was, I don't think it's God's will for the weather to be bad. That came as a part of the fall. And so if you want to pray against storms, do it, do it powerfully, do it simply, do it in faith and see what happens. I got a testimony uh, recently from someone whose, whose mom would take an axe. This is in Oklahoma, Tornado Alley. She would go, when there was a threatening cloud, she would go out in the yard and swing that axe down like this and say, get away, dissolve, stop, and it would dissipate. Now, we do not have control over God like that, okay? So if you want to pray against the weather, go right ahead because you're not praying against God. There's some of this stuff that Jesus won when he rose from the dead that has not yet been possessed. The battle and the victory is won, but we haven't walked it out yet. Also, what is behind pop culture many times is a, is a personal need of, of these people out here for certain things that, and this is the only way they know how to get it. They don't know how to be in the spirit. There is this line that's haunting to me in Nehemiah. And this, the other day I was going through here. Nehemiah 13, uh, Nehemiah had, had been out of the country for some time. And when he got back, a lot of the stuff that he had set up and that was right with God had slipped. And it was in a mess. And he was, he was berating, rebuking. He was making it really hard on the people who had, who had done these things. In, in this case, it was marrying foreign women who were idol worshipers. And he says, Nehemiah speaking, was it not because of marriages like these that Solomon, king of Israel, sinned? Among the many nations, there was no king like him. He was loved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. But even he was led into sin by foreign women. And the fact of that is 
He built temples on, on the Mount of Olives. It was called the Mount of Corruption. You'll find that if you read carefully through the Old Testament. Mount of Corruption. He built these temples to these idol gods. And you know he had 700 wives. Royal birth, the scripture says. 700 wives of royal birth. His harem was only 300. Not a big deal. 700 wives and this was because of political alliances. He, every king of every little tiny place or large place like Egypt, he had, he had the Pharaoh's daughter as his wife. And every burg that had a, a sort of king, he would marry the daughter and make a political alliance. Why would a guy do that that had the, the God behind him that had, re- had brought the Israelites out of Egypt through the Red Sea, fed them all these years in the wilderness with manna, defeated the, the country where he was now ruling. Why would he do that? His unbelief. He did not believe God's promise. And so he opened that nation up. And when he built those Those places in there, the nation never fully recovered. And as the nation was finally defeated and carried off by by the Babylonians, references made to those places on the Mount of Corruption, the Mount of Olives. Now, folks, it is really important that we keep an eye on the stuff That it looks like, boy, now that would just work for us. That would reduce this stress. That would solve this problem. We don't have to worry about our relationship with that nation anymore or whatever that is over there in your life. We don't have to worry about relationship with that because we've got this marriage. But is it pure before God? Is it in the first place? (laughs) The law says now. When you get over into your promised land and you get yourself a king, tell him not to get a bunch of wives. That's in the law. Do you, ever, do you remember reading that in the Old Testament? Read it again. It's there. Well, David didn't honor that. And of course, Solomon set all kinds of records. If he would definitely be in the Guinness Book of Records, if it were alive and well, when he was alive and well. Because I think a thousand uh, people that were in your control like that would be a world record for whatever that might be called. Now, the prince of this world is trying to press us into its mold. And we can have a reaction like the Amish, and I don't mean to be critical. These, these are, as far as I know, good godly people. But I, I disagree, and you do, if you, don't, if you agree with them, go join them. Seriously. I mean, that, if, that's, if you think that's right, go do it. Don't think it's right and not do it. Does that make, does that make sense? So what, what we need to do is look at the culture. And it's just crazy. Anything goes. And a, a, a very interesting thing occurs when we start wanting to get something that the word says and we want to get a different spin on it and make it different and, and just not have to obey this, you know, 
black and white, two plus two equals four. So we look for people to agree with us. Our culture does this. If somebody agrees with me, if it's dead wrong according to the scripture, then I have the ability to say, yeah, but. And, and we don't face the truth. Church, when we're dealing with culture, we're going to have to have, in most cases, we're going to have to have a soft touch with the world, a, a velvet glove with the world. But in our own hearts, we must be fully grounded in, standing upon the truth that, that is Jesus Christ. Back in our, one of our texts, uh, Jesus said in his prayer, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. And so this sermon is not very new in that it's about being grounded in the truth. And we could use all kinds of illustrations to talk about the stuff that used to be wrong. It's right now or it's okay now. And I grew up where there's a whole bunch of stuff that, uh, that I now do or several things that I now do. If I did them back then, I'd get in real trouble and might get defrocked. You know what defrocked means? Kicked out of the clergy. And so you have to be really careful when you allow that stuff. And I'm not real proud of some of my attitudes through the years about some of that stuff because you can really get puffed up with spiritual pride if you know more. And oh, pray for me. That, that's going to that's be an opportunity for me to sin till I die. Now, I do not intend to do it, but the pressure is there. And what I want us to do is be so filled with the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we'll know who we are, we'll know what's right, and we'll just do it. This is really hard for all ages. We talk about peer pressure on adolescents and, and young adults, and it's a very real deal. But if you're looking for that to all go away when you get to be 25 or whatever, good luck. Because it's not going to go away. Peer pressure is going to be with you to some extent till you die. If you die really, really old. It'll still be there, and there will be somebody that you'll associate with that will have, you'll feel this little pressure to do something that's a compromise to what you think the Word of God says. Make up your mind who you are, that you know Jesus Christ, that you're grounded in the Word, and just walk it out. Now, our culture has one thing going for it, while all of this other stuff is, is pretty much inspired by the, the God of this world, Satan. The one thing is that when they talk about <clears throat> tolerance, that opens the door for them to be tolerant of us. Now, the official speaks people in the national media and so forth are tolerant of everybody except Bible-believing Christians, it seems to me. And they're all for women's rights unless uh, this happens to be a Muslim woman and then it's just good luck because we're going to protect the Muslims or you know, I, I, I'm confused about that. Uh, I look for some kind of straight line, and what I see is hypocrisy. But that's, uh, 
That's a problem we will deal with till Jesus comes. Our culture is not going to be righteous. It's not going to be righteous. It's made, it's made up of people like us, only they haven't met Jesus. And boy, that, that's a losing deal if they're like us and don't have the Lord to change them. So the need to engage the culture is huge, and we must do what we can. And I, w- I want to lay out a concept without giving you any details. We need social action with a Christian perspective so that when we help someone, it's done in the love of Jesus Christ, it's done in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not, therefore, just feeding the hungry, which is absolutely biblical, but it will be healing the hungry if they're broken. It will be finding them if they're lost. It will be lifting them up if they are beaten down. We are the people. We are the answer. Now, if you're in high school or middle school, I know that there are these little groups that get together and they can look at you and they can, they can really put pressure on you to force you to conform or just to punish you. Emotional bullying has always gone on and it's certainly not any better today than it was when you were in school and you dealt with that if you're old when you were in school. It's just a reality of life. That's part of the God of this world. He just divides and punishes and hurts And um, so what we have to have is to be so distinctly Christian. What is that? That's to be born again. That's to be full of the Holy Spirit. That's to love everyone, including our enemies. Do you love your enemies? Part of the time. (laughs) I, I can speak for me. And I suspect that you and I are very much alike in that. So it's, do you know what I just said? I said, love your enemies. Isn't that absurd? Only it's not. Because God's power is able to take you and reform your life. And you can love your enemies. The Lord has Shove some of this stuff, yes, I'll say it, up my nostril. Through the years, and I remember, and you've heard my story about Yasser Arafat, so I'll make it shorter than usual, but Yasser Arafat didn't like the Jews, and he was a terrorist. He stood for just about everything that I'm against, and he was against everything I'm for, and he's ugly. And I enjoyed hating him. And I didn't call it hate, you know. I just didn't like him. And it's just like, boy, he's a... And so the Holy Spirit says, um, you need to love him. (laughs) It's like, I just want to rebuke the devil. But it wasn't the devil saying that. He won't tell you something like that. He'll say, go for it. Get him. Sick him. And so the Holy Spirit says, you got to love him. And I didn't do it instantly. And if you're able to do that instantly, please don't tell me. You know, hint, but don't just come out and tell me. Because I've never been able to do that 
instantly. But when the Lord calls for it, two things. He won't change his mind, and he can make it happen. And I prayed to the place and submitted myself to the place that I could say, God, save Yasser Arafat. Don't let him be lost. Jesus paid for him. He is too valuable to go to hell. And I don't know whether he got saved or not. There are some people that think maybe he did who were close to him that are Christians and have become Christians in recent times. So maybe he did. I know a lot of us that the Lord wouldn't let get by with our attitude toward him. So maybe, maybe he did. You know, he, he, was, he was, had to make the final call on that. That's your, your free will. But if God can do that in a stubborn slow-moving, rebellious heart like mine, he can do it in you. Don't just pick enemies for fun and test this. Submit yourself to God and say, Lord, who is it that I need to deal with in prayer? You just bring them to my mind. I'm not going to bug you about this because it's very painful. So I'm doing... I'm, I'm trying to be seriously submitted to you here, Lord. Do you talk to the Lord like that? You can. He's your father. And it doesn't blow him off the throne. And he wants to put his arms around you so that you can put your arms around lost people in our culture and love them and have the power of God. And let me tell you this. Remember this. If everyone in the world rejects you and hates you, God is still unchanged. He loves you. Jesus wasn't rejected by everyone. There were people who were dying on the inside while his body was dying. But vastly the world rejected him, hated him, mocked him at his death and rejoiced when he died. That's hard. Is that hard? But Paul talked about when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And that means the grace of God can come in and lift you up and cause you to love people, to minister to the culture, to discern what's behind the stuff, all of the stuff they want you to do. Uh, Hesitate before you do a lot of that stuff. Hesitate. Stall and run it by the Lord and see what he says. Okay, let's stand together. (coughs) Brittany and Pastor Nick are at an annual family outing on his side of the house and out of the city. We have... Kristen, who is in no way inferior to anyone when it comes to leading worship to help us and the wonderful team that works with them all the time. I'm so grateful to Nick and to Kristen and all of these wonderful people. We have the opportunity to love our world in a uniquely Christian way. If they need if they need food, feed them. If they need clothes, clothe them. Um, if they're sick, heal them. You know, let's, we, we got to do that. But we've got to do it in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ.
And if, if you're among us, without the Lord, you're, you're standing here, obviously among us, but you don't have this new life of Jesus Christ in your heart, just loving your enemies is an absurd concept, okay? God can change you to where you would look at that and say, that's hard, God, but if you'll do it, it'll happen. Go for it in me. You, you can move there. And so as I call this congregation to a place of prayer on this Memorial Sunday, you come with them when they step forward in just a moment because God is interested in changing your heart, dear one, so that you have the power of God to love people who have crucified you. Jesus just blows my mind. You know what I'm going to say. As he was being crucified, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that didn't mean they didn't know how to crucify correctly. They didn't know what they were doing in the, in the spiritual cosmos. They didn't realize that they had the, the king of glory who had humbled himself to death on a cross. And they were handling him like that. He said, they don't, they don't know who I am, Lord. Uh, just forgive them. Just <laughs> that same grace can come on all of us. And, and forgiveness may not be your issue, but it may be not loving the world, not loving somebody who does a certain thing. And it could be the person that's influencing someone you love to be worldly and wrong and sin. A lot of, lot of love stuff. Always need love stuff in this life. Always. And I want us to get a refreshing of that together. I want us to stand and pray together. The scripture says, when you stand praying, forgive. So whoever it is that's messing with your kid or messing with you or whatever, whatever's going on, just let the light fill you up so that it's not such a weird thought that you could pray for them and bless them and wish them the best. That's what I want for you today. I think that's what the Spirit is saying to us on this Memorial Day weekend. And so I'm going to ask you, as, as Kristen leads us in worship, I'm going to ask you to step out and just move down. When you come down, please just scoot right up against the steps so that we can get everyone kind of around us. Uh, and let's have a prayer. And let's go out of here refreshed in the love of Jesus Christ with a new power to relate to our culture and discern its bad stuff and love it into the good stuff. God bless you as you come.